Welcome to First Fuel, a podcast on the role of energy efficiency, energy management and demand response in the energy transition taking place in Australia and around the world. I am, of course, Luke Menzel, CEO of the Energy Efficiency Council, and uh, I'm recording today on Wurundjeri land uh, here in Melbourne, and uh, I'm recording an intro to a special episode of First Fuel, uh, one from The Vault. We launched a guide uh, back in 2021 uh, in collaboration with the National Farmers Federation that is unpacking the big energy management opportunities in farms. And as we often do, we we brought together a, a who's who on this topic. We had uh, Ash Saladani from the NFF itself, chief economist over there, but of course um, brought some farming voices to the table. Edwina Beveridge from Blantyre Farms, Dean Cayley from Cayley Farms and Karen Stark, uh, a farmer in her own right, but also the founder of the National Renewables and Agriculture Conference. It was a fantastic chat and I've had this sitting here and I I, um, I didn't have someone lined up for this week so I thought well you know what let's uh, let's get this out of the vault and, and share this one with you because I, I think it's um, it was a really interesting perspective and not one that we've uh, we've shared on the uh, the podcast you know specifically looking at that opportunity in the egg sector so um, I hope you enjoy it as much as I did <laughs> I'm thrilled today that uh, we're launching the latest sector spotlight in this series in collaboration with our friends at the National Farmers Federation. This resource lays out the huge energy management opportunity in farms and and what some of the leaders in this sector are achieving and importantly how farms right across the country can take the next step. So before we get to the panel, I'd like to introduce one of our key partners over at NFF. Uh, Ash Saladini is the National Farmers Federation's Chief Economist and General Manager of Trade. Uh, Ash, you joined NFF uh, last year in July 2020, and but prior to that, you were the Chief Economist at uh, the New South Wales Farmers Federation and, and, and uh, Government Affairs and Public Policy Lead at Rabobank. And uh, Ash, I understand that your nerd topic is uh, competition and energy policies for rural Australia, which um, means that uh, you're in the right place. Great to have you with us. Yeah, thank you, Luke. And uh, thanks to the Energy Efficiency Council for their hard work in putting this Spotlight series together. We we, we do really appreciate it. Oh, well, we appreciate uh, your guidance as well, your your reviews of the work and, and uh, helping us connect with, with some of your key partners. It really helped ensure that we hit the mark and, and produced what I hope is a resource that will, will support farmers right across the country. So before we introduce the rest of our panel, I thought I might just throw a, a high level sort of 50,000 foot view question to you. Um, uh, Aussie farmers have many things that they need to manage to sort of survive and thrive in a 21st century economy. Energy is, is one chunk of that. Um, so what, what, how important and what sort of role does energy management play in supporting farms productivity and competitiveness? So look, in, in the farming sector, a lot of our costs are fixed and are significantly above those of our international competitors. So it really goes to towards our international competitiveness. We probably have one of the highest labour costs in the OECD. Um, unfortunately, we're number one um, in the world for the cost of getting goods from the farm gate um, to consumers. Um, and just to put into perspective, um, freight and logistics get more of the final price of a commodity than a farmer does. So the costs are astronomical and we probably pay more than most other countries for our farm inputs. Why I say this is because most of these costs um, go to our international competitiveness and um, we have little control over it. But one of the areas that we could have control over um, is energy costs. So 
Um, for some farmers, electricity costs aren't a huge factor. So um, a lot of broad, broad acre type farming, electricity is not a number one issue, but there's a lot of areas where it is the number one issue or top three issue at the very least. Dairy farmers, intensive horticulture, irrigated farming, intensive livestock, you know, it could account for about 20% of their input costs. Um, just an example of it, I went to a dairy farm in Western New South Wales and the cost for this far- farmer was around 150000 a year and they had significant um, solar assets on their farm. I-, I dare say without it, it'd be around $250,000. Um, I guess the bigger issue is that we underestimate the, the cost and impact of electricity. So Dairy Australia did a study that for every cent spent um, on electricity on farm, there was a cent spent on the supply chain and that comes directly off the cost of milk and the price that a farmer gets for their um, for their farm gate um, price for milk. The other one is that this um, cost is going to grow exponentially. There's a transition away from liquid fuels to um, to electricity, and farms are digitizing and um, and automating. And there's going to be a step change in um, electricity use. So, uh, energy management, energy efficiency, and, and um, uh, how how we use electricity is going to be a key issue for us going forward. And um, just in terms of the the sophistication that you're seeing out there in the market, um, how how far along do you do you sense um, you know most farms are in their energy? Energy management journey. I think the first um, first cab off the rank that came around was around um, uh, renewable generation. And so, if you look at um, PV uptake, um, farmers are probably early adopters on the early adopter chart. So, and I think that start has started the journey for a lot of farmers around. Um, uh, looking at electricity as a, as a business management um, issue. Demand management is starting to come into to play um, because of those assets and sometimes they have excess uh, energy. They are looking at demand management, when they can put back into the grid, how they can use their battery and solar to um, potentially um, create more revenue. And then look at the processes they have on farm as well and how how any energy efficient they could be. So for example, there's very simple low-tech solutions. For example, getting a um, water storage and putting it on stilts. That's essentially a battery. So during the day when you know your soil is pumping out uh, energy, pump the water up um, to the top of the, you know, the water tower and th- that's energy stored um, for later. And that's an example of energy management right there. So there's varying degrees. Some people are very well advanced, others not so much. And I think the, the spotlight series and the discussion paper you guys have put together is a great um, entry-level guide for farmers as to the considerations they need to make for energy management. And importantly, one of the principles that we bring to all, all of these sorts of guides is to make sure that we're we're sort of learning from the leaders that are, that are sort of showing how it's done. Like this is an esoteric stuff. Um, there's there's folk out there that are really are really pushing the envelope and, and showing what's up, what's possible in each of those subsectors within the broader farm sector that, that you were talking about, particularly those energy-intensive ones. So Ash, it's probably a good segue to uh, to hear from some of the the farmers themselves, and we've got some some real leaders with us. Uh, Edwina, I might start with you. Um, Blantyre Farms has been widely recognised for its energy and sustainability initiatives. Um, I uh, I had a bit of a role with the the Green Globe Awards in in New South Wales. I'm, I'm pretty sure you 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 picked up a, a gong in that forum as as well as, uh, as some some of the others that have recognised some of your leadership in the space. The first farm and piggery to be certified under the renewable energy target with an accredited biogas electricity generation system sourced, sourced from agricultural waste. Um, can you tell us how the biogas electricity generation system has benefited the farm's productivity and profitability? Sure. Thanks, Luke. I, I do like saying uh, that we're the first carbon farm in Australia. I have no um, 
real evidence of that, except that we were the second uh, people with the project approved under the um, the uh, uh, ERF when it first began, and the first people were a methane gas. Uh, uh, landfill doing methane gas flaring, so I claim I'm the first farmer, uh, the well first done. carbon farm. Well so look, ten years ago we started a project where we um, uh, we already had quite an efficient effluent system from our pig farm. We set up a system where we would capture the methane gas from the um, the pig farm by basically putting a big cover over it to capture the methane. Um, it's been working really well for ten years now. I'm an accountant, so I love the. Uh, dollars and cents side of it um, through that process we no longer have a power bill so we actually sell some of our excess power back to the grid uh, I think our power bill would be about $250,000 if we had one um, at the moment so obviously that's a big saving we also uh, generate carbon credits because that methane is no longer going into the environment so we get to sell them each year we earn large generation credits, LGCs, uh, which we earn a little bit of money for. Um, so all those things have been the benefits. The other thing, it's really nice to be uh, sustainable. We, um, yeah, and so there's, you know, the, the nice benefits that come with it. We're doing a, doing a better job environmentally. Um, the cover on our uh, methane dam, it's the main dam that produces most of the odour. So they estimate that that 70% of a piggery's odour comes from that first effluent dam and we've now captured that odour uh, along with the methane. Um, and so we've also created that as another plus not that we you know we own the farm around our pig farm so we didn't have any problems with it but that's um another really good thing as well quality of life benefit there Edwina. yeah yeah and um you, you know you, you sort of pointed the fact that you were a real innovator in this space you were kind of pushing the envelope with this project um what was it like kind of were you were there examples you looked to overseas was it how did you how did you get the idea what, what was the genesis for you taking this move all those years ago sure thing um look our industry heard about New Zealand dairy farmers doing a bit of a similar system in America and Europe they have been capturing methane for a long time the difference in our system is it's designed for Australia really instead of having an expensive tank system where you heat the manure to get the methane out uh, it costs a lot more to build we went with a much cheaper model where you use a dam our wide open space and we use the heat from the sun so it was a lot cheaper to build so really the New Zealand dairy farmers got most of the way there and we just tweaked that a little bit to suit it for our, our area. Um, our industry originally bought a consultant out from New Zealand who um, got us started on the project. Um, and look, really, the, I love that I get all the credit for it, but my dad <laughs> is one of the biggest drivers of it. Uh, and he used to, he heard about it, thought this is fantastic, this project's going to be great. I under, he understood it all, how it would all work. And I would think every day, what's he going to ask me about? He's going to ask me if I've done something. So I was forever <laughs> just trying to keep ahead of my dad. So that's how it all um, it all happened. And he really did a lot of the planning. Uh, my husband and quite a few of the guys at work are very practical and, and understood how it all worked together. Our local electrician did a heap of the work and, and I'm always amazed how our maintenance staff just rise to the occasion. We go, right, we're going to put in a system and generate our own um, 
power from methane and here you go, guys, off you go and run it and away they go. Fantastic. Well, I can't say a couple of things. I, I, I'm just delighted to hear we stole this idea from New Zealand. As a, as a true blue Aussie, I think that's that's kind of like a national pastime. Um, the other thing that occurs to me is that, you know, that, that prod from your dad and kind of just to remind, you know, this is an opportunity, this is an opportunity, particularly something which, you know, you're sort of innovating and kind of having to work at as you go along. Like you actually have to run a farm. <laughs> every day while you're working through all that. So I suppose having that kind of that, that someone that's got that single-minded sort of impetus to kind of, you know, help build that early momentum would be incredibly important. Yeah, I think so. And look, it's the challenge with everything, isn't it, Luke, having enough time in the day to get something done. And, um, and yeah, lucky my dad's like the most driven bloke you could ever meet. Hey team, big announcement. The Australian Council of Social Service, uh, AR Group, Energy Efficiency Council and the Property Council of Australia is reconvening the 2022 National Energy Efficiency Summit, Thursday 6th of October uh, at 12.30pm. Keynotes from the California Energy Commissioner, Andrew McAlser, who is joining us in Sydney to deliver the keynote. Another keynote from another McAllister, uh, as far as I know, no relation, uh, Senator Jenny McAllister, Assistant Minister for Climate Change and Energy and uh, the Minister with Carriage of Energy Efficiency in the, in the Albanese Government. Why are we holding another Energy Efficiency Summit? Because we need to unlock the energy efficiency opportunity as quickly as possible so we can address the twin challenges of energy affordability and, of course, emissions reduction. The time to act is now. And uh, we're going to be having that big conversation uh, with with Jenny, with with Andrew, and with a host of other luminaries as we we look ahead to the role of the demand side in a net zero Australia. So get on it, ec.org.au forward slash summit twenty two. Uh, the link will be in the show notes. Uh, I can't wait for the day and uh, to have you with us. Now back to the show. Well, um, I might go to uh, you now, Dean. You've been doing um, some some innovation as well in a, in a different context. The the Cayley Family Farm, uh, in collaboration with Bundaberg Regional Irrigators Group and Bundaberg Sugar Services, has actually won the Best Agricultural Energy Efficiency Project uh, Award at uh, at our awards, the National Energy Efficiency Awards in 2020. And and you won that award, um, and you were you were head and shoulders above the rest, uh, might I say, because you were able to reduce your energy consumption by 42% per ton of uh, sugarcane harvested. So um, that's a that's a pretty big saving, Dean. I'm sure our uh, our uh, listeners and viewers at home will want to uh, find out how you achieved it. Yeah, I suppose it was born out of necessity. Like, um, you know, when we, when we first, well, when I first, you know, come back from college and started farming, like a, an electricity account for us or energy account for us for the whole year would have been $10,000 and that was pretty good. And then probably as we've gone on, like if we did continue on the path we're on, our power bill would be well in excess of 100000 now on such a small, because um, we're intense farmers here in Bundaberg, uh, it's a lot of money to, um, yeah, to try to retrieve out of our you know, small crops or sugarcane. So I got to a point where well, we can't continue, if not we won't be here. So I, I talked in discussion with uh, Bundaberg Sugar Services and our um, regional irrigators group, um, had a discussion, and it all started from there. So we basically come out, we uh, looked at our irrigation system, which was currently lo- using high-pressure uh, water widgets, uh, very costly to run, 
Uh, and because we get a lot of wind in Vandenberg, um, predominantly you can only use them at night time. So, um, yeah, so yeah, half the night you're all sort of chasing chasing those things around. Um, so, yeah, we had a discussion and we did an audit on our pumps because, um, you know, farmers probably you know, update their machinery and vice versa but forget about the irrigation systems. So, yeah, once we had an audit and um, it went down the path of a low-pressure lateral move, uh, we did a feasibility study on that and, yeah, and that's where we are today. So we, we used to use around each pump site uh, had a 22-kilowatt motor, so there used to be six of them used every every day and we basically went from six back to three. Um, and the other uh, efficiency we found on the sugar side of it, um, we could we were taking about 14 days to irrigate uh, around about 100 acres, which after day seven on either peanuts, sugar or soybeans, um, they basically were losing um, yields because of um, stress. So we can now get around the whole farm in six days and yeah, basically use half the energy. Yeah, and that's that's a really consistent theme we found as we were talking to to farms around the country like yours that are really leading on this stuff. Is they found like they may have they may have started the project kind of you know looking to to, to manage those energy costs, but actually in the process in the in the process of working through those efficiencies, they actually found a you know significant additional productivity dividends um, through through kind of just looking how the system was operating and how. How it could be done better? Yeah, definitely. Well, we noticed, um, you know, like that particular side of the farm where this lateral moves installed now went from around about 90 tonnes per hectare of cane, and we're probably producing 120, 125. So not only we reduced the energy use, and um, I suppose we put uh, uh, moisture probes in as well. So we only irrigate to what the crop needs. So we're not sort of overwatering or underwatering. We're sort of getting the, I suppose, the most bang for buck. So it's it's really been, uh, uh, yeah, the best thing we've uh, we've done. And what's the response uh, been with your sort of peers in the market? Is this something that they're paying attention to, looking to emulate? Are they already already onto it? What's the what's the state of play? Yeah, so there was probably look there might have been one other lateral move or centre pivot uh, in Bunnabig, maybe two at the most. But now there's probably thirty or forty gone up. So um, guys have come and had a look. We've had field tours and field days here as well, uh, and obviously you know through our irrigators group and sugar service, they've shared our data and information. And um, yeah, there's probably there's probably at least two or three every year going in um, on that system now, just because of you know rising energy costs and um, trying to use our water uh, more efficiently. Because um, it's you know there is call it climate change, but we don't get the rainfall we used to get, so every drop of water um, has to be used yeah efficiently. Yeah. All right. Good work. Um, well, I'll uh, I'll bring uh, Karen in now, and you've got an irrigation story as well. You're you're a farmer. You're the founder of the National Renewables and Agriculture Conference. Um, you you definitely uh, walk the talk on that front because you and your partner installed one of the country's biggest solar diesel hybrid irrigation pumps uh, on Waverley Farm, uh, which I understand Karen started you on your uh, renewables in agriculture journey. Uh, Ash mentioned it. Um, there's there's been a um, I guess uh, uh, what did you say, Ash? Early adopters of early adopters in the farm sector in terms of the the renewables piece. Um, wh- why uh, why have renewables taken off in the way that they have um, in the in the farm sector and 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 what are the remaining opportunities? Why are they why are they so important? Well, I'd say it's quite interesting that Ash um, put it that way because I would have thought that the adoption has been a bit slower than what you might. Oh, expect contention! I love it. Sometimes. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you 
you all to, to agree for the duration of this panel. So tell me, <laughs> tell me, tell me why, why we need to ramp it up. What's, what's the state of play in the market? So the, the, there's barriers that we know from research and also on the, on my, um, on the ground experience when I work for a solar pumping business that are stopping farmers from adopting these renewable energy technologies as quickly as they could be, um, considering some of the cost savings that some of the other speakers have already mentioned. And those um, main barriers are things like a really high capital cost uh, to begin with, um, a lack of trust in suppliers, and particularly uh, not having suppliers that have got both the ag and energy experience. So with our um, farm, for example, Reacqua had both that water and pumping experience and the renewables, the solar um, experience so they could design a really smart system because, um, you know, we all know that farmers use energy quite differently to a household or a business that's quite seasonal, quite large lows in different times of the year. So um, not every solar installer would understand that, but they're there approaching farmers anyway saying, you know, we can whack solar on your on your dairy shed. Um, there's also things like just a lack of understanding um, in what is feasible on your property, and that's why the report that you guys have, the NFF and um, Energy Efficiency Council have just released is great because we need that support and additional information to be getting out to farmers um, and hence why I pulled together the conference as well because we want to to share stories from farmers that are doing fantastic things on their properties. You need farmers to be also talking about the challenges they're having um, with some of these um, technologies, particularly as that some of the technologies aren't necessarily that commercial yet. Um, you know, for example, with our 500 kilowatt solar diesel pump, it's a great, it is a good story. You know, we're saving about 45% on our diesel costs, um, reducing 500 tonnes of emissions from coming, um, you know, from diesel every year. But we're still having issues at the scale that we're working at with blending that solar and diesel. And, and the obvious answer to that, um, you know, and that's in the shoulder periods uh, where the solar makes up most of the power and then you're getting a massive diesel generator to trickle in just a very small amount of power to make up that load. So um, that causes glazing um, on, the, on the generator. So, you know, there are these early challenges and the solution to that is a like a buffer battery, but the cost of a battery for our system um, is between $500 and a million at the moment. It's just not viable for farmers to be able to, to go to those solutions. So, um, you know, obviously there are great benefits with renewables. Of course, that's, you know, why I do the work I do and we're seeing on our farm as well, you know, cutting costs, um, which builds resilience, particularly in times of drought. There's um, cutting emissions, and as our global markets uh, start to um, put put ca- carbon tariffs on imports or exports, you know, because of their own net zero policies or targets, farmers need to be demonstrating how they're reducing emissions in their own operations and also in supply chains. So there's multiple benefits, obviously, but um, for me, I just feel that the, the adoption needs to be a lot quicker than than what it's happening. So on that on that emissions piece, um, it, we, we sort of had, as you'd expect, a whole bunch of chats with um, uh, farmers and people that work in the farm sector as we were producing this research, research. And the message we got on carbon was well for for many, if not most, farms, um, the, the the big chunks of abatement are actually in other parts of the business. Um, but we also heard that energy was one of the easiest places to start in terms of that um, emissions mm. reduction journey, if that's something that the, the farm has as a goal. Is, does that sound about right to you? Yeah, I think um, for, for some um, applications, renewables is that low-hanging fruit. Um, and, you know, carbon emissions 
it might not be the main driver for a lot of people to look at renewables. Usually it's cost, but it does help, you know, decarbonise our sector, which we really need to be looking at, particularly for the future, for climate resilience um, adaptation and also for, for trading overseas. I'm not sure if that's answered your question. No, that, no, no, absolutely have. And the other question I had was around that word resilience. I guess there's the resilience to the, you know, the volatility in energy markets, particularly in periods where the business not, might not be travelling so well, but those costs continue. And that's that's one form of resilience. I guess the other form of resilience is for remote communities where, you know, you often got very skinny connections in and potentially unreliable mm. um, uh, supply. Um, is there a, a resilience piece that's a motivator for some farms in terms of just taking more, taking more control? Control over their over their electricity supply. Yeah, definitely. So um, on farm renewables is all about, like you said, taking control of your your consumption, production, and costs um, of energy. Um, so you know, with us, um, we've reduced our reliance on the delivery of diesel trucks that would come every. Um, 10 days or so during irrigation period and like you said remote communities where there might be floods and we've had this happen that we can't get into town no trucks can get out here like we can just still use our solar to pump water if needed during during the um the daylight hours so you're not as reliant and also rely um not as exposed to those fluctuations in energy costs um that you see with diesel and electricity um often so resilience is a is a big um, is a big issue why renewables is a good idea, particularly with um, our changing climate. Um, and it just helps you be more prepared for, for an uncertain future. All right. Well, um, I think we've uh, we, we've done a reasonable job in characterising both the opportunities and and um, some of the challenges in this space. Um, but final thoughts from the panel um, is, is you know from your from your experiences from some of the benefits you've derived by engaging um, on this uh, on this topic. Uh, is it something you'd you'd recommend that uh, uh, farmers in in the space that perhaps aren't as far along as the, the energy management journey of, as the three of you are that would you recommend that they uh, pursue these opportunities? Uh, yeah, look, I totally encourage people to pursue these opportunities. I, uh, you know, we're so glad that we did this 10 years ago, so it's not new. We've been doing it for 10 years. Um, we've nearly got, uh, when our products, when our pork pigs leave our farm gate, we have nearly got them being carbon neutral. Um, I think if you don't get on the bandwagon, you'll either get shot out the other end or you'll be made to do it later. So I think... Um, great to be involved and um you know it's nice it's more than nice to be able to uh know that you're doing the best you can with the resources and having the least um impact on the environment it's a uh, it's a fantastic note to end on um look uh, i want to thank all of our panelists uh, ash uh karen dean and Edwina, we've really benefited um, from your insights today. Um, some fairly uh, clear-eyed assessments of, of the state of play um, and, and where some of the traps for young players might be, but also some of the huge opportunities out there. And uh, hopefully um, the guide that NFF and EC have released today will help uh, help some of the uh, uh, the viewers at home to, to navigate those challenges. All right. Good chat, eh? Hey? Uh hope you enjoyed that. Uh, that wraps up this special episode of First Fuel. To keep up to date on the latest in energy efficiency, energy management demand response, you can find us at eec.org.au. Never miss an episode by subscribing to First Fuel in your podcast app of choice and to learn more about the show, including upcoming 
live recordings, visit ec.org.au forward slash podcasts. But for now, it's uh, goodbye from us and we'll catch you soon. Bye.